If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Yeah, it's New Orleans. We could just walk up and down. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> You're supposed to find us somewhere to listen on Frenchman. Let's do that Saturday night. <clears throat> well, Saturday night, here's the thing. There is a funk band playing. I like funk. It doesn't matter I if it's on blue, blue Nile. Oh, Blue Nile. Oh, that's fun. But it, said, it starts at 11. Oh. I didn't know. Like I can do it. You're the only one. You can do it for an we, hour we, or we can. We can do it. We, we can, can start it. it. Yeah, we can start it. Is it like they're just the um, house band? Well, is it we'll have to buy tickets. It's tickets. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know, but they're called they're called Government Magic. I love it. And they're really funky. They're like boom. I love funky. I love eleven o'clock mm-hmm. start times. Government magic. Eleven. Eleven. Eleven PM. We can do it. We can go home take a nap. Oh my God. That's what I was gonna say. So wait, we're getting up. We're getting up. Listen, I'm just being real here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're getting we're getting Actually, we don't have to get up early no. on Saturday, right? Nope. We don't have to be anywhere till 1230. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can try and sleep in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and sleep ah. in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try. We got to go to the King Cake place, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to go to the like King that? Cake place. So it's like <laughs> King King place. King King. King King place. King King place. <laughs> and we got to go to the night market. The night market, the cake, King Cake place. And get some on our way out of town. Stop by Rouse's and pick up those yes. muffalottas. We know exactly where to go. I know how to park now. It was a we whole know. thing. It I was, was like, a whole thing. Yeah, I was but... like, watch me, Chad. I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna get in here. <laughs> last time it wasn't so easy. I knew what I was doing this time. I parked in the grocery pickup too because I was like, fuck these fuckers. I'm getting this muffalotta and hitting the road, and I did. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Fun times. Hi, Patrice. Ooh. <laughs> what? Hey, Marlea. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> she got a burst of energy. <laughs> she did. The vodka has started to work. <clears throat> it's going to be ebbs and flows tonight, I think. We're going to try. Mm. Oh, hi, y'all. Did you say hi to me? Did <laughs> yeah, anybody? I did. Oh, no. I said hi. <laughs> oh. I literally I, totally said hi. Hey, Courtney. Well, I feel like I interrupted you and shocked you. At you the did. Same time. I was shocked. Are you trying to say something? I'm sorry. I, I, I don't remember now, but <laughs> so I, I shocked got, it right out of your head. You did. I was going to say hi, Marlea. <laughs> she wasn't. I, wasn't. <laughs> I was like, we're still mid conversation. I get like a hi, Patrice slap in the face. <laughs> It's like <laughs> I'm like I have to start doing the five, four, three. I think you are. You're doing it with your eyes. <laughs> Hi, Marlena. Hi, Stop it! Hi, Stop laughing. Oh, are we supposed to? Are we actually oh, doing the take again let's, for real? Let's, Hold on, let's do it again. Now, do your thing. Five, four, three. I'm Marlena. Hi, Patrice. Hey, Courtney. Hi, Hi Courtney. I love like she how goes I didn't on, say two or one. I she goes on Colbert one time. You're, <laughs> you're I thought professional. It was you like, I, saw, I heard they that. They said two on Colbert, and I was shocked. That is not what I learned. That from is, from. <laughs> that is not how you count down on television, internet radio. <laughs> it looked like you were flipping us off. <laughs> With my pointer finger. <laughs> oh, Richard Pryor does that in uh, one of the Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movies, I think. 
I can't remember which one. Mm. Is it the very inappropriate hear no evil, see no evil that still is <laughs> so funny, we but it's not that. good. I mean, yeah. Hilarious. It's awful. It's awful. Oh, it's really awful. It was mm-hmm. funny when mm-hmm. I watched it. We <laughs> were funny I'm... in America. <laughs> we're a bunch of assholes in a completely different way than now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Lord, y'all, we've been planning our New Orleans trip. Yes, Nola, mm-hmm. here we come. Yes. Yes, and I'm so happy that we're doing it again this year. So happy. I am too. It's your birthday. Well, I don't care this year. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care year this year. It's this, not like a... It's not a, mo- it's not a big birthday. Yeah. But the fact that your birthday is when it is, and right. it's Mardi Gras season. I know. It's I like it all... Fits well. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. For me, five for weeks ago, I was in New Orleans. I'm going to go again. <laughs> I, from childhood, I said I wanted to spend more time in New Orleans. And here I'm you go. Those dreams come true. You know what? I'm three times in one year. You're going to be, <laughs> okay. So you're spending, okay, I'm trying to think of what your, your schedule is. So in the first three months of 2024, you will have been to Two New Orleans, Las Vegas, and New York City. Correct. And actually, two months because I have January and February, and then I'll be <clears throat> from January fifteenth or what day did I leave? Yeah, fifteenth to February eighteenth. I'm gonna go to New York, New Orleans, and Vegas. And jet setting you suck. Yeah, I love Vegas. I just can't I'm get enough of Vegas. Really? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Train. What What is it about Vegas that you love? I don't know. I think um, is Vegas it a big oh, show? Is no, it? I there's something. It's like it's very um, it's the active weirdness of everything that I really like about Vegas. And you can't always find something to do. And there's always the bing, bing, bing. And I don't know. I really like Vegas, but it's also like controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. Whereas like New Orleans is uncontrolled chaos. Yeah! And New York is uncontrolled yeah! chaos. And it's like, so Las Vegas is like the the like anal the retentives. Like, is like the OCD's <laughs> New York City. You know, that's what I think. Well, anyway. the strip maybe. There's parts I'm sure are uncontrolled Oh yeah, no, chaos. that's true. There's a little seen. less control in other places. I like I liked it because I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I think I, I just really I, I don't would, know. It's you always, know it always feels I've very been like twice and, nice uh, to me. I've yeah. been so many times because yeah, I used, used to go to for go to I used to go for trade shows. shows. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So it was like we had the same hotel. You know, it was like we we stayed at what is it? I think it was Monterey Bay for like three years in a row. Mm-hmm. I think at least once a year, and I had the same like order at the like downstairs oh, yeah, coffee shop knew. bakery yeah. and. Like, you know, it's just like. Those things are fun, that familiarity. Oh, yeah. Of like a place that you visit, but mm-hmm. that you know, you feel kind of at home. That's mm-hmm. how I feel about Monterey, mm-hmm. California. I've never been to Vegas. Never? Never. Maybe we should. Hmm. My parents even be- liked Vegas, which I was surprised about because like it's they they were convinced that they were going to walk everywhere. They were like, we're just going to walk here and there. We're going to go to this casino. And I was like, you're not going to walk that. Mm-mm. I was like, do you have any idea how they were they were just looking at it as like as it was city blocks. I was like, do you have any idea how big these casinos are? It, You're mm, not fucking it. walking the whole strip. There is no way. You're mm-hmm. 70. You know, I was like, you're not going to walk the whole strip, what, you know, and they they're 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 public transport still kind of shit. Apparently, they have mm-hmm. the monorail now. They do. But it only has certain stops at certain hotels. Yeah, it it's like certain. if you pay to play, then they'll it's stop like you there. 13, well, I, I look because. 
we're staying at this place called the Westgate, which, by the way, I just share with Teresa. I'm sure you going to see Barry Manilow. <gasps> yes, uh, yes. So I've seen I've seen Barry Manilow. Yeah, I knew you had. I've seen Barry Manilow. Yeah, I, my good friend Freddie yeah. like cursed out the girls behind us because they were too drunk at the Fox and they were yelling and singing really loudly, and he was really pissed that they were singing loud. He was like. And we were we were not old at the time, but he was just like, I can't hear Barry Manilow singing is so mad. <laughs> he's listening to this too. And he's going to, I swear to God, he's going to remember that he was just like, You are not going to ruin this for me. <laughs> we're at the Fox Theater. And it was not that long after we moved to Atlanta. And I wasn't used to people being able to drink in theaters. Cause at that time, it was like up in the theaters at DC, you can't, you couldn't at the time drink at the Kennedy Center. You couldn't drink well, uh, in Kennedy theaters. Center, come on. Well, you can now. President. You can now. But it was like, but you know, the South was ahead of the game. And I was like, oh my God, they've got fucking bars here. I was like, we went to the Fox. That may have been the first time I. That might have been the first time I saw like a concert at the Fox. Yeah. But we we're all the way up in the back and it was me and Randy and Freddie. And I think it was just the three of us. He's going to correct me. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to do a correction. And so will Randy. He's going to pop in any second. <laughs> and there were Randy, these. Be quiet. There were these two girls that were in like the literally back row, like up mm. against the wall. And they were like, they seemed like they were totally just trashed. And like they had bought Barry Manilow tickets like. Because they knew like three songs and it was on sale or something. It's gonna be me. So the stuff that came, but the stuff that came up, they were just like singing and like just yes, they all knew man. Everybody knew Mandy, and so they were singing. And he just, but he got so mad because they were really loud. Mm. And it was the Fox, you know. It wasn't like it wasn't like front row, you know, Mm. like standing concert or anything. Yeah, Yeah. it was the Fox, and these girls were so loud. And he was just like, "You have got to stop." He was so mad. He turned around, talked to them. Did they stop? Um, they grumbled a lot, but I think they did stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Don't, Freddy's. Don't tell Box Fan Chad to sit down and be quiet at a concert or a football game, and you know what will happen then. Yeah, <laughs> but see, Freddy wouldn't tell somebody at a football game to sit down and be quiet. He'd be, like, having fun. and talk, But he was, like, trying to listen to Barry Manilow, goddammit. He was like, you're not going to mess this up. So he was, oh, yeah, it was so funny. And he's, like, he, I think he probably put on the voice that he puts on, like, when he's, like, um, chastising my cats or something, because he's got this really deep... <laughs> deep bass voice and all he has to do when he like if he wants a dog or a cat to like do something he just looks at him he goes and then they like run away because they're terrified it's like he probably put that voice on with these two blonde girls sitting behind us who may not have even been blonde but in my head these are the people that were behind us. Oh Anyways, my God. It's so a story about Barry Manilow. You, thank you. <laughs> thank you. When you were saying chastising, I thought your next words are going to be like when he's chastising his students. No. I was not expecting your cat. No, my cat. <laughs> like, no, he does that to animals. For some reason, animals like really respond to that like bass tone and he mm. figured it out like uh, way before he knew me, I'm sure. Oh, wow. It was really funny. Well, I'm excited to see him. Um, Barry Manilow. It's not what I would have thought, but it feels very Vegas to me. I mm-hmm. will be wearing a blazer like Barry. It's gonna yes. be a big one, like a, the one I wore to the Moulin Rouge. Yes, that'll be appropriate. I wanted to see Adele. I started months ago trying to get Adele tickets. Mm. It was a little harder to get Adele tickets than Barry Manilow. He's in and by harder, you mean six hundred dollars? I mean, no, you really get them. Oh, just not you even had available to sign at all. Up for a list mm-hmm. and then they chose and then they emailed you if you were on the list if not you're on the wait list that's no how hard it was and so what, what he's actually at our hotel the one i'm staying at oh that's and even so better what i learned from uh, this hotel it's called the westgate now but it was called something else i think the inter- 
um, because one of the shows that is playing there is Elvis's brother is doing like a what? he does a lot meet like a talk about Elvis like he talks about Elvis on stage. Elvis has a brother. I did not know <laughs> that except right. the one who died, the twin. Right? He had, he had a, a twin. Yeah, at, I haven't like, watched the movie. Birth. birth. Yeah. Oh, I knew that before that. Mama taught me. I didn't know that. Elvis fan. I don't know any of that. Yes, apparently this was. If you haven't watched the new Elvis movie, I highly recommend it. Boz Lerman with Austin Butler. It's, he's great in it. And um, what you learn in that is Elvis never traveled the world at all. He was stuck in Vegas, being manipulated by the Colonel. Mm-hmm. And this is the place where he had six hundred and thirty-six consecutive shows. Oh my God! At this theater that I'm going to see, Gary Manilow. Oh wow. Hotel. Oh, that's kind of so. There's going to be a lot of. I'm sure there's. I was going to say Elvis cool, but that's there. not cool. That's know, sad. It's, it's, he was stuck bad, there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was called the International. I will have to look it back up. But was it I, Tom Hanks that stuck him there? Was that who it, it was? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks made Colonel. him stay. Yeah, he was. He was Tom terrible. Hanks is evil. He was terrible and great in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> My brother got married in Vegas. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if to his current wife. Yes. Okay. I don't know how many times they've been married. No offense. Well, that's a question that you always ask when I mean, somebody gets married in Vegas. No offense. You know, like, it's like, funny. it's not that much different than Disneyland, but you don't ask that question about Disney. I don't know why. Yeah. And I, I Maybe don't, we should. I don't know. I, I don't know if they got married by an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> somebody I know got married by an Elvis impersonator in Vegas, and they're still married too. You know, it's funny. I mean, Elvis wasn't like ordained to marry people, was he? Did he ever actually marry people? Where did the know. Elvis impersonator marrying people come from? Besides, I, just, just like because he was in Vegas, Vegas, Vegas so just Vegas. You know, he's just iconic. See, Vegas. Vegas is a little like Orlando that way, I guess. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is a this is a location thing, right? Disney just because for adults kind of is, mm. yeah, pretty fun. Well, I and then there's Pigeon Forge for the Christians. <laughs> For my mama, <laughs> Gallenberg. Don't forget Pigeon Forge, Gallenberg. They come mm, as a pair. That's true. The they twin, are together. The, the twin towns. The twin cities. Mm. The, twin cities <laughs> the Smoky Mountains. The twin mountains. The twin peaks. <laughs> don't, don't they have a place that's called um, the Pancake House? Mm-hmm. It's like like Apple Barrel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have an Apple Barrel. See, I've been there once. And I Good remember job. That. Thank you. Uh-huh. Memory. I remember traffic. Mm, traffic. I remember the, the little strip, the yeah. traffic, seeing like the apple barrel sign and all the people walking up and down. And then we went into a Christmas shop and it was like, was it like, like March? Yeah, it, it was not even July, but like the absolute weirdest time. It to was be the weirdest time. Shop. Yeah. And, and that's really all I remember about. Was it filled with baby G's eye? I don't even remember that. Mm. I assume so. Randy's going to have to cut the fuck out of this. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Randy. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> well, I'm ready if you guys yeah. are. We could take a break. This is our pre-show, and then we'll take a break. Yeah, we'll be back in a sec. <laughs> Why didn't I get the Manilow VIP Gold Pass package? Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us, or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get free swag, extras, exclusives, and a discount on merch. You can find links to all these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, 
along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode. Strange Sal t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and other goodies. See you there. That is the sound of my second Bloody Mary being poured. And we're back. And we're back. All right, so we're going to New Orleans. Yay. By the time you hear this, we will be in New Orleans, I believe. Yeah. And so... If I have my shit together. It just so happened. What? No. No, because we'll do B-side when we're in New Orleans. Oh, I thought that was this week. No, this week was a new episode. Right. Okay, you can cut all that out, Randy. Sorry, I was like, wait. So we will have just returned from New Orleans. We're not going to make it to New Orleans. I know, I did too. I was like, but it's Saturday. We'll get there by Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, even if we're late on Friday. I get my shit together. Like, wait a minute. I'll have to get like, packing's not that hard. (laughs) Exactly. It just kind of so happened that I had a partial story that I'm sort of praying I haven't done before. Wouldn't that be funny? It happens to be Don't in worry, New Orleans. I, I know. I was like, chances are none of us will remember, so you guys can let us know I'll later. Be like, this is great. I love. It. <laughs> Tell it to I me actually, again in I five don't years. think <laughs> if I did anything, I think I may have referenced it, but um, I don't think I actually told it. So, anyways, this is it. We're gonna Ooh. we're gonna do it. Yay! This is the story of Josie Arlington. Josie. Josie. Okay. My friend Kaylee's new baby's name. Oh, Josie. Baby Josie. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Well, she's seven months old, right? Maybe she's a year old now. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's 25. podcast time. <laughs> I know. By the time, by she's the time. She's in college now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time's relative. All right. Josie Arlington was actually born Mary Dubler. Dubler. D-E-U-B-L-E-R. I should be able to say that. Just German. Dubler. Um, that's what I'm going to say. Thank you. You're in 1864, um, her parents were poor German immigrants, and she was orphaned at age four. She was really, really small, but they lived in New Orleans. One story says that she and her siblings were taken in by nuns from St. Elizabeth's home, but by age 17, she had begun prostituting. And others say she began prostituting at like age 10 to support the rest of the family. So I don't know which one of those is, but one way or another... That became her, her, you know, career. Mm-hmm. So as the years went by, she gained a reputation. She, she was no nonsense. She was kind of kick-ass. She got into fistfights with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't take shit. There was another, another girl that got under her skin somehow, and the story was that she bit off part of her lip oh. and one of her ears. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, I mean, she was like, don't fuck with me, mm-hmm. um, Mary Dubler. And I actually, the, I didn't find anything that said when she started going by Josie. I think it was just her, you know, street name at first. Mm-hmm. In 1885, she took up with a man. His name was Philip Lebrano. And I was like, every time I said that while I was writing this story, I just heard Melissa Shimenti's voice. <laughs> Philip Lebrano. Phil Lebrano. Lebrano. And they lived together in what the Times Democrat called the notorious house at the corner of Burgundy and customers. Wow. At the corner of Burgundy and custom house streets. They had like a really rocky relationship. They got, you know, sent the cops to their house all the time for fighting, screaming, throwing shit. And one writer points out that Philip Lebrano, it seemed like he was probably her pimp to most people because she was fairly young. What, What did I say? 1885. So she was 21 and he was a little older than her. It sounded like. But she was actually the one with the power in the relationship. So in late 1890, she's still with this guy and her little brother, 
Peter, came to their house drunk, and Lebrano wasn't going to let him in the house. He said he didn't want Josie's relations in his house. And she turned around and was like, this is my house, and if you don't want to let my family in, you can get the fuck out. So she let her brother Peter come in, and then Lebrano picked up a pistol and shot him in the face <gasps> in front of her. Oh what? My God. So of course she breaks up with this guy. What? There's like he ends up actually getting off for this, if I'm correct. Look, I feel like there him. was like two years of trials. Yeah, in killed him. Killed but him. Sometimes people don't die when they get no, shot. In the head, no, no, so. he killed him. But I think he he ended up somehow getting off. She was very obviously really impacted by this experience. Mm-hmm. You know, she breaks up with him. She begins seeing this guy named Tom Brady. And <laughs> quarterback that's a quarterback, right? Yes. Okay. I was like, his name is Tom Brady. And I kept on seeing all these references to like no relation. And I'm like scrolling through the article saying like, yeah. who else's name is Brady? Like, Tom why do they Brady. keep saying this? <laughs> yeah. It's because it's fucking Tom Brady, yeah, the Tom quarterback. Brady. Yes. Um, I don't do football. <laughs> and she actually she went by his name on and off though her whole life she was never married like so she was never like officially married to anybody but she would just kind of like willy nilly change her Josie name at this time Josie she's Brady. going by Josie okay. she had been going by Josie Lebrano while she was with Philip now okay. she's going by Josie Josie Brady but she also went by other names like you know she still kept Mary every once in a while I think she used like Mary Nix as an alias for a while when she's traveling but after after the whole thing with her brother and Philip Lebrano. Tom and her kind of left for a while, went walkabout, went to some other places. They were in Ohio for a bit. There was, you know, and I know this because I accidentally found a newspaper article from Cincinnati about the police looking for this woman that was like sullying young girls by bringing them into the prostituting trade. So it's like everywhere she went, she left a trail of young women behind her. Oh, no. But, you know, it was like, apparently this is what she's good at. Like she organized other people, you know, you know, she and Tom go. They, um. They spend a little time in Arkansas. She was in Hot, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and they stayed at the Arlington Hotel in Hot Springs. Ooh. And it's it was a swanky hotel. You know, everything is like pretty and the high society would, you know, and she was just like, this is everything that I want to be. She's like, I don't like, you know, she's it's not like I don't know whether she liked what she was doing. But she didn't like all the trappings of it. You know, she didn't like like the the crap that came mm-hmm. along with it or the crap reputation that came along with it either. She was like, mm-hmm. I want to be this. And so she came back and went by Josie Arlington after the hotel, the hotel because that was what she wanted to be. A hotel. Mm-hmm. She, she wanted, wanted to, be a, to be a hotel. She wanted to be a classy hotel. She wanted to be a classy hotel. So there was another Tom in her life. Tom Anderson was another person that uh, was a pretty critical player. He was. Like kind of a politico, kind of a mover shaker. He worked for the Louisiana Lottery, and he like he wasn't he wasn't like a shakedown guy, but he was just kind of like adjacent to all the vice stuff. Mm-hmm. Just he was like there to keep his ear to the ground and make money. And he made a lot of political like relationships. He made a lot of police relationships that kind of he had a lot of look the other way kind of things he was able to do. And um, he became a business partner to Josie. So when he was in New Orleans and he started hearing like people kind of talking about this plan that might be in the works to make a legalized prostitution zone, he was like, hey, where is this? And then he's like, hey, Josie, you and me, let's buy a couple properties. Oh, yeah. And so they um, they bought properties on the main entryway to this planned district. What plant? What year was this? This was, let's see, 1897. Peak Victorian age, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so Alderman Sydney, Sydney Story in New Orleans, uh, prostitution's rampant in New Orleans, as it is in, you know, pretty much every city. 
And there there were some swanky brothels that, you know, you would see in, you know, romance novels and shit. But there's a lot of like crib houses, flop houses. You know, there's a lot of shacks and low rent places with what they would call lowbrow people there. And the finer lady folk of New Orleans didn't particularly like having to cross paths with these people. So Alderman Sidney's story is like, well, let's think outside the box a little bit with this problem. So in 1898, story convinces the city that while prostitution could not legally be declared legal, it could not be declared not he, it could be declared not illegal inside a special vice district. Mm-hmm. This is where Storyville came into play. And this huh? is where Storyville, Storyville came from. So he said to all the madams of New Orleans, if you move into this area here, and I, I'm, I could never quite figure out like what the size of the area was because a lot of places said it was 16 blocks. A lot of places said it was 38 blocks. But there was this like large area of new orleans not super huge but i mean it was a it was a big enough place right it's like if you come into this area here we're not going to police you we're not going to harass you we're not going to kick people out we're not going to arrest your people but you have to be in this place here and so they forcibly closed the brothels that were outside of this district and told them they'd have to move into this new place which they'd called the Tenderloin District, the Vice District, or they started jokingly, ironically calling it Storyville after the guy who was making it all happen. And his goal was threefold. It was to get these these ladies of the night out of the ladies of the day's way. It was to give these brothels a place to ply their trade without being harassed by the police. Mm -hmm. And it was to let the city collect taxes on all of it. And so, of course, as soon as people like Tom Anderson and other people find out what's going on, and of course, you know, politicians tend to be landowners, right? People who can afford to buy up properties. The rents in Storyville are astronomical. Oh, yeah. And so they're kicking all these people out of the areas around Storyville and out of the other areas of New Orleans and saying you can only operate if you're in this district. But they're also saying, like, you got to pay all these prices. So there's a whole other, like, thing going on here that I'm not going to get into any more than just saying that. So they called brothels sporting houses. Sporting houses. Okay. It's a whole nother ball game, right? Yeah. Exactly. A whole other ball game. This is where you do your sports. Playing ball. So um, <laughs> Tom Anderson, playing ball with the balls. Tom Anderson, who was her business partner, the guy who kind of tipped her off to all of this, he became the de facto mayor of Storyville, basically. He owned a bunch of properties in the district. After he had that one, he started kind of buying up more, and he began publishing something called the Blue Book, which I recommend everybody start looking this up because it's kind of awesome to look at the blue book at the, cause there are a couple like auction houses and things like that, that still have copies of them that are intact. It, it, this is turn of the century shit. So it's actually not that easy to find them intact. So they go for like $1,600 a piece. Wow. This little printed book with a blue cover and they include descriptions of every maps, descriptions of every brothel and its location and its madam one of the things said, including price, there was like a historical organization that said, no, there were never prices in the blue book, but it did include what particular services they tended to render in oh. each brothel. And it included the quote unquote stock that everyone offered with uh, different abbreviations and codes for different races and ethnicities. No. Clear note at the front of every issue that said this book may not be mailed because if you send lewd material in the mail, it's like a federal, federal crime. Events. Blue Books had ads for Anheuser-Busch beer. 
Cigarette doers whiskey, cigarettes, mostly cigars. Mm. A lot of cigar ads. PBR, which has yeah. which is tag was the beer of quality. Yeah, man. Oh my and gosh. Um, blue ribbon stuff. <laughs> I know. Blue ribbon. Champagnes and local restaurants, including, Tanya. of course, Tom Anderson's Cabaret and Restaurant, which was also a gambling den. So they made uh, they he he like raked it in with the blue book because they would sell the book and they would sell the ads. And um, so, you know, as if he's not already making enough money on Storyville, he's he's raking it in with this book. I think just really quickly, I mm-hmm. think that this this part part of this was um, in the new remake of Interview with the Vampire. Mm. Yeah, it was set in Storyville. And, there I, you are, know, I almost started watching it the other day in it. And there is uh, and one proprietor in particular, maybe. Well, he had the police in his pocket and all that stuff, which I'm maybe sure that's him. Yeah. yeah. Shit, I need to watch yeah, that then. It's pretty cool. I've been meaning to watch it. I actually cool. I started Succession the other day because I wanted a new show. Yeah. But I was like, and I was 50-50. I almost started totally that. Totally different vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> and I didn't think I was gonna like it, but I actually am already Succession like, I'm in. You, you know, first it. episode, yeah. they've got when you. When you first start watching, you're like, what is this language and how are these people communicating? And then you get into that like, oh my gosh, you're just <laughs> fucking narcissist and insane. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so he made money on the Blue Books ads and sales. And um, down the street from Tom's place was Josie's Sporting House, the one that she had bought. Uh, the official name was the Chateau Lebrano Darlington with a D apostrophe. Darlington. Generally, everybody the just called Arlington, it. Yes. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Everybody the just Darlington. called it the Arlington. It was on North Basin Street in Storyville. It was a four-story building, 16 bedrooms. Most people called it a mansion. It had a cupola on it that was shaped like an onion or a tulip. It was like that round little like dome thing at the top. Mm-hmm. And she gave it like a foreign theme. She had started saying like she's not going to just run a house like she used to before she went a traveling. She's like, I'm going to run a house that's like caters to gentlemen who have an interest in foreign girls is what she said. So Ooh. she gave this like a foreign theme. And each of the rooms was themed there was the turkish parlor the japanese parlor the viennese parlor the american par- i was like what the fuck is the american parlor going to be like fucking hamburgers on the wall but this was 1900 <laughs> so um let me but- just stop you for a second mm-hmm. let's just flip the script here can you imagine a world that would cater to women as like intently as they cater to men in this situation. As this world caters? Yes. Yeah, for real. You can if you watch Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine it. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about it, and it's just like nothing. It's like nothing. But to flip it and to have this, like, the female-male role reversed and to see how much men were catered to in all vices mm-hmm. and to think like as women what that would be like you know what's interesting when you ask that question i'm like i don't even know that a lot of women would be able to say what their vice house would look like right like because women like men have had like what millennia of having of being allowed to figure out like what oh. their worst desires oh, absolutely. are absolutely and women are just like no oh, we can't think about that shit yeah I, I, like i don't think they would i don't think we would even know what to like ask for you know do you I, think there would be enough women who would know what to ask for i don't know well i mean if we hadn't been like uh immersed in this culture for all the centuries maybe like we would just it would Mm-hmm. Know what we want. <laughs> so if we're living in a perfect world, then yes, we would know exactly what we want. If we were living in a perfect world, we would know exactly what vices to ask for in our <laughs> <Exactly>. vice district. <laughs> we had all the power and we're hungry with it. 
That's right. But see, as as maybe we learned at the end of Barbie, it's not about having more power. It's about having the same. Oh, that's right. That's what we would do. We'd have no vices and we just want to be equal. I don't even know if that's a message from Barbie or not. <laughs> I just pulled that out my ass. I can't remember. Anyways, well, back to back to the story of Jenny right. Arlington. No, that was good. That was a good aside. I don't even know. We could probably talk about that for ages. <laughs> so she like she she spent a fortune on, on this place and she imported furniture and fabrics and wall hangings and all kinds of shit for every single room. She outfitted the girls to, you know, to match the themes. She had a hall of mirrors. She mm. had a, like, like Versailles actually has a hall of mirrors. It was like, she had it where, you know, she had this big ballroom in the house that was mirrored walls. Called it, quote unquote, absolutely and unquestionably the most decorative and costly fitted out sporting palace ever placed before the American public. Damn. And it was one of the most expensive ones. It was $5 an hour to go in. And the average American workman at the time made 22 cents an hour. Shit. And uh, I will How many say dollars an hour? it was $5 an hour to go in. It was not a job. I mean, it was expensive. And um, I, I realized that I didn't actually say my references at the beginning of this. That quote, I can't tell you right now who it came from, but I'm going to have them all on the show page. And please do look at them. Um, they uh, they did a live show at the Arlington called The Circus. <laughs> It was a live sex show that they offered in the main parlor. There are no details, unfortunately, like left about what that actually was. Um, but they did cater to a variety of specialties upstairs. But the one thing that Josie never did allow, and this was the story, was that there were no virgins in her house. There were broth- brothels who catered to men who were asking for undefiled women, and they would charge $200 or more um, to get a girl that no one had ever touched. And um, Josie stated regular, like with em- emphasis, would never be a girl. And there had never been a girl that lost her virginity at the Arlington. Um, either way, she made a shitload of money on the bill. So before long, she'd bought a $35,000 mansion on Esplanade. Whoa. Esplanade, Esplanade. And a country and a farm in Covington, um, north of Lake Pontchartrain. Esplanade was where the expensive people lived. And she wanted to be that. Um, and this, you know, this was just the way that she had of earning it. Some say she had over a million dollars of earnings in her life. She started giving money to charity because that was what society women did. And she figured this would be another in for her to society. But it's not hard to imagine that chances are neighbors on Esplanade didn't invite her to a whole lot of society events. Um, and then late one morning in 1905, it was 11.30 a.m. on December 2nd. There were painters who were at the Arlington. They noticed an electrical fire inside in the attic floor on the fourth floor. And, of course, many of the girls stayed there. Many of the girls lived there. It's a 24-hour operation. They don't shut down. And Josie was also inside. Um, it's The fire spread extremely quickly. Josie nearly died in the fire, people said. Um, the top two floors were completely destroyed, and a lot of the rest was ruined by water. She had like $60,000 of insurance on the place. So it didn't ruin her, but all the girls' personal things were in there. There was one girl that um, one of the news articles uh, referred to one woman standing outside sobbing because the one picture she had of her mother had been burned. Um, So Tom Anderson invited Josie and her girls to use the top floors of his restaurant um, until she could make the renovations that she needed to make. And people called it the Arlington Annex. He actually had it like painted on the outside of the building. He enjoyed it so much. And she did renovate and reopen, but she had not quite like it was another. It was just like when her brother was shot. It was like this really, really catalyst event somehow. 
somehow. It sounds like she almost died. So somehow some writers said that she started becoming reclusive. She was cranky. She was kind of morbid. She's in her 40s now, though, too. And she's lived like a hardworking life. It's like turn of the century, but just tired. Like she's going to be. I mean, it might just be the time where she starts like, I don't want to do this anymore. And perimenopause. Yeah, for real. (laughs) So she decides it's time to get out of the limelight here. So in 1909, she leases the Arlington to another woman. And she sells the rest of her business assets to Tom Anderson. She settles into her Esplanade mansion where she lives with Tom Brady, the quarterback. The first Tom. And yeah, he's been around this whole time. He's like, he's stuck with her. She's keeping her Tom. She's keeping her Toms around. Her John. I know, right? But she's also been there with her niece, Anna Dubler, who this entire time she adopted this girl when she was small. She's been taking care of little Anna since she was like a young girl. And she has somehow kept it completely under the rug that she runs a prostitution ring in Storyville. So she wanted to make sure that this kid could have all this stuff that she didn't have when she was growing up. So she sent her to these like fancy, expensive Catholic boarding schools. Um, yeah, she's, that's how she kept it. She, yeah, mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's like living on Esplanade. She's got all the beautiful clothes. She's got everything she could want. And she's in society, I guess. She somehow makes it to the age of 20 before she finds out that oh. Josie is a prostitute and a madam. But now at this point, you know, 1909, like I said, she kind of quits the business, moves to Esplanade and her mental health is starting to kind of mm-hmm. droop. So she's she's got like nothing to occupy her mind. She's basically retired and she's sitting in this mansion recognizing that like nobody around her at this mansion probably likes her like she's planned her whole life somebody might and she starts kind of going back into this tom brady does like her (laughs) at least he likes her money probably but there's Mm -hmm. a story though (laughs) that tom brady and anna might be getting a little something something as anna gets a little older Mm. and she starts kind of going into her like rages again like she you know back when she was with lebrano and they would have fighting like rages and the police would come and the police start coming to the mansion more and more often because she just goes into these like fits during one of these is when she finally confesses to anna what she you know that she's like the most successful and well-known madam (laughs) in storyville which in a way you should really be proud of that's like really hard work but she also becomes obsessed with death so in 1910 she buys a two thousand dollar plot in metairie cemetery where the millionaires are interred and on May 11th, 1911, she signs a contract with a, a German sculptor named Albert Wieblin, Weiblin to um, design and build her tomb. They say that she spent between $5,000 and $10,000 on the tomb, and she, she chose every detail herself. The tomb is this, like, there's these steps that lead up to a high vault, and it's all made of red granite. Red and, granite. With wow. double doors of bronze at the top. There's granite sculptures in the corners of the doorway that are of two flaming urns. And um, and there's a bronze statue of a young woman with one arm filled with flowers and her other hand reaching out to push on the doors that are closed in front of her. What that statue is supposed to mean, everybody has a, an opinion. The door stood the actual mausoleum, like mm-hmm. pushing her way in. And flowers in her hand. There's yeah, there's yeah. So she's like standing on the steps with one hand against the door and mm-hmm. an arm full of flowers and and the doors are closed. And some say it's a woman turning her back on the world pushing at the door to get into the afterlife. Others say it's a virgin who's being denied access to the brothel because the doors are closed. 
Hmm. Others say it's Josie as a young girl sneaking back into her father's house after carousing. <laughs> I was like, that was does not it sound like she probably meant that? I that don't know. <laughs> and at the time she's designing this, she's still alive. But her, like I said, her, her mind is starting to fail and she's sinking into dementia. So Anna and Tom Brady are taking care of her. And like I said, rumors are spreading. that They're taking care of each other, too. But oh. Josie died on February 14th, 1914, on Valentine's Day, less than a week after her 50th birthday. And she was buried. A lot of the madams in the district sent flowers to the funeral, but there weren't a whole lot of people at the actual event. And in her will, so this was like, you know, this woman was pretty loaded. She left money and assets to her brother, Henry, to his children, to each of his children. She had had a brother. Not the one that got shot. No, another one. She had a cousin. She left some things to the cousin, but most of it went to Anna. Her brother was really pissed off and contested it because he was like, this is just her way of funneling money to Tom Brady. What, her, her, it was her niece, though. It was her niece, but but who? she wasn't like the next of kin, you know? Like whose daughter was I don't know. I actually oh. don't know that. And apparently her money and property amounted to more than $50,000, which in that time, like the according to, you know, the first hit I got on Google was like $1.5 million. In our time. But um, Henry lost his, his, you know, contest against the the will. Anna and Tom Brady got married. Oh. How old was Tom Brady? Which is sort of gross. I imagine mm-hmm. he's probably about about her 50. age. Yeah. It, he, she was much, like, Anna was much, much younger than him. And Josie's afterlife person may have been a little pissed off about this because... Soon after her funeral, people at Metairie Cemetery started to see weird things at her tomb. Some saw the two granite urns, which were really made of granite. Like the flames in the urns are made of stone, but they saw actual flames burst out of those. Other people saw a red glow like fire flickering across the walls as if the tomb were burning like hot coals at night. Um, So Josie's grave soon started being nicknamed uh, the Flaming Tomb. And some people just joked that it was Josie putting out the red light again. Hoity-toity people said that it was like the flames of hell telling people not to fall into prostitution. Mm. And then one night, two grave diggers at Metairie reported that they saw the statue at the door of the tomb crack her feet free from the base and walk away and wander around between the other graves. And people said they would go to the tomb and the girl would be missing or that she'd be found somewhere else on the property during the day. Oh, weird. We're going there, right? And uh, well, that's what I was going to say. When <laughs> yeah. you said that you wanted to go to the Metairie for that uh, parade, I was like, maybe this is not a bad idea. So, Rick Brennan. I know. So, now there are conflicting stories about why the next thing happened. So, for whatever reason, Josie's tomb, the tomb that she spent a stupid amount of money on and planned very carefully and had designed, and this is this very, very intricate, obviously meaningful to somebody design, right? They sold it. And some people say it's because there were too many people after these kind of rumors got started about all the supernatural stuff happening around the grave and people just started to come to see it and trample on the grave and, you know, that the family was upset about it and didn't like it. And so they moved her. And some people say that the family somehow quickly ran out of money or something and that they had to sell the tomb, which seems weird. How do you Uh, sell it? I don't know. So they sold it. They sold it. They sold the plot. Oh. They sold the tomb. And so they With took her in it. They took her remains and moved them, apparently. This is the story. Oh. To an undisclosed location in the same cemetery. And that people say that it's like painstakingly undisclosed, like that people have asked 
the folks at Metairie where she is and they don't say. Now we can go and ask ourselves if you I want. I because like the, the tour guys have to. Well, it's, it's that's what I'm Catholic thinking. Cemetery is it? Is I don't know. Catholic? I thought they all were. No, not all of them are. I don't know. If it is, then we know the diocese is over it now because you can't go in them without those tour guides now. Right? There are tour guides for this one. Okay, then it is a Catholic one. They sold this. This tomb was sold to, according to the story, the family of a lawyer named Jose Morales, Jose A. Morales, and his name was carved into the top of the granite doorway, J.A. Morales. Joe's, like I said, Josie's remains were removed. And when people talk about the statue moving around now, which people sometimes still do, they say that maybe it's Josie Arlington trying to get back into her grave. But as an end note, and I think there's a lot of weird, mysterious shit going on with this. Like as far as storytelling goes, I'm like, yeah. I don't know about some of this. Like, I yeah. don't know where these, I don't know the whole selling of the tomb thing. That one that's kind of shitty. It's weird. Right. And, and it I was already bald. Well, and that's what here, here's what I'm thinking too. I do have and downloaded from somewhere, and I don't know if this is legitimate or not, but an actual signed like design of the grave by the German sculptor that has Brady written across the top. So I'm like, well, unless somebody made up that drawing, which is not impossible, and signed that man's name to the bottom of it, which again is not impossible to put it on the internet, then they did make it for her. Or design it for her. But like, it seems so odd that it would just be changed. So I was like, I want to look further into this, but I really couldn't find anything else helpful in the short amount of time. And anyways, we don't know things. This is a whole intro to the show. Y'all figure it out your damn self. <laughs> so, so the end note that I have, though, is that Storyville ended only three years after Josie Arlington yeah. ended. She it's weird that like her span of time at the, you know, the peak of, you know, her at her prime of career, I guess mm -hmm. it really just coincided with Storyville, because at the outset of um, World War One, Newton Baker, who was the secretary of war, didn't want soldiers to be distracted. And so there was a federal law banning prostitution within five miles of military bases and they shut down Storyville. Um, 1917. And most of its structures were demolished um, over the years. 1940, they changed the area to Iberville. And it's now um, the Iberville area. Yeah. So that oh. is the story of, I didn't actually, I, I always kind of wanted to know a little bit more about Storyville and I kind of accidentally found out. So, same, same. Cool. I'm glad you did the story. That is the story. Of Storyville. Of Storyville and Josie. Oh Arlington and the flaming Arlington. tomb of Josie I'm Arlington. I'm looking up her grave we can talk about in the B-side. I'm looking yeah, up man. her tomb right now. I'm looking at pictures of it. So. Wow, that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you later. Bye, y'all. Jazz is like wine to me. I will drink the box. It's fine. I just I don't know the good stuff from the bad stuff. <laughs>